You're listening to Our Two Cents with the team from SGL Financial, building wealth for life. Steve Lewitt is the president of SGL Financial and Gabriel Lewitt is the CEO. They're here to discuss all the latest in financial news, trends, strategies, and more. Hey, good morning, everybody. Gabriel Lewitt here and Stephen Lewitt with our two cents. That's mine and his. His and his. <laughs> ours. Ours. Well, we're excited to have you here this morning. I hope, uh, I don't know where you are. Hope, hopefully you're warm because right here by us, it was 11 degrees. It was pretty cold. This morning. And, and supposedly it felt like a negative nine or five or something. Mm. But cold. Felt mm. like cold. And so hopefully you're all bundled up while you're listening to us here on your way to uh, work. Who knows? Uh, okay, well, we've got a good show for you today. And first and foremost, Dad, how are you? I'm great. Uh, <coughs> the sun is shining. Uh, this is the sixth full day of sun since December 1st. I don't think that's accurate. Yeah, I do. Uh, there, definitely was, there definitely wasn't sun for six straight days. No, the sixth, not straight day, the sixth full day of sun Oh, since December 1st. Oh, I thought you meant in a row. No, no, no. Okay, There's only yeah. been six days. <laughs> that's of more, the that six, feels more accurate. <laughs> folks, it's the morning here. It's cold. <laughs> uh, no, it's six, the sixth full day. In days other words, it's sun. been cloudy for almost a month, two months. A, a month and a, two yeah. months, right. Yeah, so right. that's kind of a bummer. So, uh, <laughs> happy sunshine, everybody. Yeah, enjoy. Get out there in the 11-degree uh, <laughs> warm, sun, sunny day. And sun. Oh, well, yeah, you know, things are, uh, things are good, though. Things are good. So, interesting uh, uh, inauguration was completed this last week. Mm-hmm. And uh, thankfully, knock on wood, nothing happened. Yes. Uh, yes. Which I was uh, a little concerned about. So, I was really glad to see that. And uh, it'll be, you know, interesting to see the changes that this year has coming ahead. And I know you gave a webinar last night. Yes. And I just kind of thought of this off the cuff. It wasn't even part of our talking points for today. But um, I know we've, we've mentioned this even before Biden was inaugurated. But, I mean, what are just a quick recap of the key things that people might want to expect now that we've got a, a Biden administration? Well, first of all, there's uh, he's rolling out a COVID plan, which I think is very, very important. The federal government is trying to take some control on this uh, because the shots are not coming as quickly as they're supposed to. We need more to. shots. We need more shots. <laughs> Said every 20-year-old. Right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, tax-wise, you're going to see uh, tax on the wealthy go up. Uh, tax on the middle class or the ordinary folks, as we call them, is going to probably stay the same which is what he promised, and mm-hmm. it looks that good. Uh, he's going to expand Obamacare. Uh, he's not on the Medicaid for All bandwagon, so I think you'll see that happen, mm-hmm. which uh, I happen to like that idea. Um, you'll see um, a lot more done uh, for housing, for um, uh, opportunity zones, trying to develop business. And, of course, the stimulus package is uh, on its way. And we'll see yeah, that he's soon. talked about adding more uh, more stimulus packages. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. we're still not through this pandemic. No, we're not. For, for a lot of you out there, you're still struggling. It's been a uh, uh, it's been obviously a very tough 2020. And so far this year, you know, we're still, if, as you said, millions of people still can't get the shot that they would like to get. Exactly. And so we're still not quite back to where we uh, were before. Exactly. And uh, the stock market is uh, discounting the end of COVID and all the stimulus. It's saying, man, things are going to be fantastic and keeps reaching new highs. Yeah, kind of surprising. Well, you know, market. it's a just little, like a little what, bit surprising. But well, never- when, tr- when, you know, when Trump won, everyone thought the market was going to collapse. Mm-hmm. And when everyone said when Biden wins, the market's going to collapse. 
and everybody is two for two on the wrong side <laughs> of the fence. Well, I mean, I know you and I know this. There's many statistics that talk about how the market really doesn't care, for the most part, who's president uh, over the over time. I mean, it's really been there's no correlated, you know, results based on this. This is a Democratic president. This is a Republican president. Uh, there's not a direct correlation to those and stock market performance over time. It's impossible. You can't, it, it, there are so many factors that go yeah. into it. You can't predict any of that. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of statistics, uh, actually one of our main topics for today is various retirement and financial statistics that I think is going to be a, a little bit of an eye-opener for a lot of people on the show. And uh, some of these, I even, you know, I know I see a lot of st- uh, statistics over the course of my day. That, that word is statistics. St- 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 stuttering there. That's the, cold, that's the cold this morning. I, might, I still haven't thawed from coming in from, the, from outside. Right. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of statistics here. And we, we see a lot of statistics. What? Statistics. I said statistics. Oh, okay. What did you think I said? Oh, uh, no, it sounded different. Hmm. 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 I'd have to Maybe go back. my years ago. I'd have to go back and re-listen. Statistics. <laughs> you drive me nuts. What do you think, Joe? Does that sound like statistics? <clears throat> Pretty clear. Pretty clear? <laughs> now I'm going to mess with you and say, <laughs> we, we've got five important retirement statistics. Yeah, I know you're going <laughs> to so, do that. <laughs> give you our, Sorry, right. folks. So I had to just oh, say that, man. folks. I, I apologize. hope you don't mind if we have a little fun. That's I, I, part apo- of our goal. I apologize. <laughs> All right. All right. So <laughs> the first one here, uh, first statistic is only 17% of American workers describe themselves as very confident that they'll have enough money in retirement. Oh, my goodness. That is, uh, you know, I knew, I knew that number, but I, in hearing it again, because, you know, we live with things and we get used to them. Yeah. But when you just said 17% of Americans, that's one, less than one out of five, peop- yeah. five families yeah. uh, don't feel that they're confident about their retirement. And that's... Um, a huge number yeah yeah Yeah. and so you know our goal with these uh statistics here today is we we just want to talk about you know what does that mean you know and what are some of the solutions to that if you fall into that camp and obviously if you're if you're one of the um the many that don't feel uh, comfortable or confident in your retirement savings uh, what do you do about that what's where do you start and i know your answer i know what your answer is going to be so that's well well you start (laughs) I know <laughs> you think I'm going to say, well, you need a plan. <laughs> yeah. I know you think, but not, that's not where I would start. I would start, I'd make a list of my expenses, and I would, I would go through my budget, my expenses, and uh, understand why I'm not saving money. Well, if, yeah, if we, if we unpack that just on its most simple level, if you're not feeling comfortable you have enough saved, the, the number one thing you've got to do is you've got to save more. Got to save. And then you need to know what your goal is in your savings Yeah, and have a plan to get there. And now I'll say it, Gabriel, if you have a plan, you'll feel more confident. Well, it's really, you know, the there's a, there's some easy ways of determining how much money you might need. They're called uh, rules of thumb or ballparks. Uh, so, you know, for example, there's the um, 80% wage replacement, which I don't personally believe in, that says... Take what you're uh, you're bringing in now, you know, you and your spouse, and you're going to need 80% of that a year when you hit retirement. And then from there, you can factor how much you would have to have saved to achieve that level of income. I don't know where that statistic comes from. Well, you know, it's... Because uh, 
I don't know about your clients, Gabriel, but my clients well, spend more in yeah, free time. You know, most people do that we see. I mean, the, the idea behind the statistic is just that you've you've got, you know, some insurance expenses on one hand go away. You've got, you know, commuting back and forth, the work that go away. Indeed. I mean, I've, I've read some research articles on why they have that statistic. But, yeah, you, you and I, what we see with clients is you need about the same amount of money that you have coming in today. Yeah, if not more. Okay, and so you've got to be able to calculate how much do I need to have saved and if you're part of that percentage that, again, doesn't feel comfortable or confident that you've got enough savings, let's make sure, you know, we calculate that actual number, not just use a rule of thumb. Do you agree? Agreed. All right. So. Set a goal. Set a goal. So number two statistic here for today is uh, the average 65-year-old woman has a life expectancy of 20.7 more years. Well, you know, it's amazing. Um I ask this question all the time. Do you know what the fastest growing population in America is? Is it people in the 50s, 60s, 70s, or 80s? And I think you know the answer to this. Babies? (laughs) No. Actually, it's not true. Folks, the fastest growing population in America, people over 100 years old. Percentage-wise. Percentage-wise, yeah. Not numerically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but, (laughs) but that's really important. People are living longer. Now, this statistic, 65, is an average to 85. That's just an average. You might be the person, unfortunately, that passes while you're younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a financial point of view, that means you don't have to worry about running out of money. Well, I just, <laughs> you know, I just talked to a client last week. You know, she's 90 years old and she was, you know, sound as a whip, you yep. know, on the uh, on on the phone and uh, when we talked. So really with it, really uh, healthy, you know, so it happens, you know, and that would be somebody that's on the other end of the average. Mm-hmm. And so what does that mean? If you're, if you're 65, we always tell people we want to plan typically when you retire at the average age of 65 uh, to plan for at least 25 to 30 years on your time horizon. 30 years. I would yeah. push it. 30 years, definitely, especially if you're a married couple. Uh, married couple 65 today, there's a 70% chance that one person in that couple will live into their 90s. Mm-hmm. So 65 minus 90, uh, 95 minus 65 is 30 years. Your money must last you 30 years. Yeah. So that's the trick there on that one is, is keeping in mind that longevity might surprise you even if, <laughs> I hear this one a lot, well, mom and dad didn't, you know, didn't make it very long you know, past 70, yeah. so I don't think it's in my family too. And, uh and uh, sure enough, you know, th- those those are just kind of, um, what's the word, uh, things that you make up that sound like they're logical, but it's it really has no bearing in actual fact. It's, because, count, it's counterintuitive. Uh, because there are so many people whose parents don't live very long for whatever reason. Yeah, and, and they, the live, kids, in, and they the kids, live into their 90s. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it might seem kind of simple and easy to say that, but uh, we always encourage uh, you to think about longevity risk, which is what this is. And uh, how do you plan for that, right? So, okay. Number three is, uh, I think this is kind of similar here. Yeah, 16 point, I built that one up. 16.5% of our country's population is over the age of 65. Well, what that means, you know, what's important about that is it puts tremendous pressure on Social Security and Mm -hmm. Medicare, and that becomes a funding problem. Um, Social Security uh, was never meant to be a long, a retirement plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people retired in the 40s and 50s, the average, you know, you retired at 65 and you were gone at uh, 70. Yeah. That was the lifespan back then. 
And now people are living, as we said, into 90s, 95, and Social Security, instead of covering you three years or five years, got to cover you 30 years. So mm-hmm. as the population ages, that's a huge number, 16.5%. Well, and it's getting higher and getting every higher. day. Yep. I, think the, I think the ballpark number is 100,000 baby boomers a day are retiring. Are retiring. Yep. You know, so, so huge uh, pressure there. And the, I think the concern on the solvency of Social Security, as one of the items you mentioned, is there's uh, fewer, there is a big population boom, right, with the baby boomers, and there's fewer working people now working and paying into the Social Security tax yep. uh, to be able to potentially sustain those benefits for that long of a period of time. So one of the things Biden's trying to do, he's trying to expand the Social Security. In other words, if you're a worker over 65 years old making a lot of money, you're, you're going to be able to contribute, you're going to not be able to, they're going to take Social Security from you where they're not taking it now. Yeah, that would be hard for a lot of people. Yes. Um, okay, so let's see here. Next one up is the average retiree will spend $295,000 on out-of-pocket medical expenses over the course of their retirement. Did, yeah. you, did you know? Did you know? That, that, now, folks, l- listen, uh, you're 65 today by the time you and your spouse or partner or you yourself, uh, if you're married, that's $295,000 that's going to come from somewhere. That doesn't include, Gabriel, long-term care, home health care. Uh, what did I say wrong? No, I was gonna, you were picking on my st- statistics earlier. Oh, yeah. so you said, <laughs> I said long-term <laughs> care. <laughs> long-term <laughs> <laughs> Long-time care, folks, is where my Bronx accent uh, comes out. I had to give you a little bit of a heart. You, you toss it right back at you It's there. no problem. It's no problem. <laughs> when I start talking, bro- talking Bronxies. Long-time. Oh, Long-time. Uh, well, there it is. Uh, that's another three average stay, three and a half years, 100 grand a year is 350000 plus 300000 yeah. 650000 <clears throat> The sun just went out. The sun went, just went behind the clouds. Where are you going to get... How are you going to fund $600,000 of healthcare expenses? It's a huge problem that nobody wants to talk about, Gabriel. Yeah. Well, and honestly, what we find most people do is they, uh, they don't. <laughs> they don't fund it. They don't save for it, especially the, um, the long-term, long-term care side. Yeah. Because they just can't, uh, they can't save enough to be able to cover for that or insure against that why, risk. Why do you think people are reticent to talk about this? Well, I think, you know, I think... My opinion is most people just have a uh, maximum amount that they're able to save, mm-hmm. and uh, they they understand or feel that they really can't save any more. And so, if you can't save more, and you know you're going to need more money for this, that, or the other, uh, you kind of just maybe you just resign yourself to the fact that uh, yeah, I can't afford it. Can't afford it, <coughs> so I won't talk about it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a big part of the uh, the issue there. But that really is it. You know, this one, how much you need for health care, really just a factor of the first one. Which is, you know, not not having enough saved, not feeling com- confident, or not planning for it, right? Or not planning. So, okay. And our very last one, which Dad, you're gonna love this one because it's right up your alley. Ninety uh, percent of people over sixty think or say that a written retirement plan is important, but only twenty percent actually have one. Yeah. So um, let's put the cherry on the top here, which you already really said it earlier. What does that mean, folks? You know it. We don't even have to say it. (laughs) Well, I don't understand. It's mind-boggling to me. You're going into the most important part of your life. You work your entire life (laughs) to to retire. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, you know, saving is 
I, saving is hard, but it's one thing. It's saving. You retire, and now you got income and taxes and uh, wealth transfer and all that stuff. And nobody has, you know, hardly anybody has a plan. Well, it's in, it's interesting to me. You had a uh, you had a potential client the other day. I know you spent a couple meetings with, and they were very uh, very successful. I think they had four and a half million dollars. They didn't spend a lot of money, and uh, you know they they ultimately decided not to come work with us. And their and I remember their their note to you said, "We know that you could probably make us a lot more money." But uh, we still feel like we're just doing okay on our own, and and uh, yeah. you know uh, we we don't need the extra money, even if you could make it for us. Yeah, <laughs> and and just, you know, folks, I'm laughing at that because uh, it, it's what we encounter a lot. You're not a lot, but you know, from from time to time in our in our profession, I mean, things just look very simple and obvious. And some of the things that this person was doing, I won't I won't go into here. We don't have the time. But there are significant improvements that we could have immediately made to put them into a better financial well, position. Well, let, let me be more specific. We could have doubled at the end of their life at 90. We at could 25 have, more years. 25. Yep. We could have doubled what they're going to do now on their own. Right. You know. And basically, so Milli- we, millions of dollars. Yeah, we don't care. Yeah, yeah. we don't. We don't yeah, care. Yeah. So I, I mean, guys, if you're out there, and the question is, is why don't I, the question is why don't people have a written plan? And I, and the answer is, I think if somebody has a certain amount of money, and they think they're just going to be okay, yeah, they're need, they then don't they, need a then plan. they say, well, why do we need a plan? Well, actually, there's some truth to that. Why do they need a plan? There, there is some truth. But to if it. you're looking to maximize your that's, investments, and that's really where I was headed. I mean, if you don't yeah. care about a couple extra million dollars to leave to your kids, literally, that you're just throwing away, or, or imagine lighting on fire, is the, the visual I like to use because you are. If you just, you know, some of these things that cost you tens of thousands or millions of dollars, uh, you that you can do. If you don't do them, you're just throwing that money out. I mean, bucket bucketfuls, uh, carful loads of money. <laughs> And to show you that plan to get you to that uh, better end result. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there, I, we could get into the psychology of the fee. And uh, counting, you know, that's not our fee. But uh, what, which of them would you choose was net after a 1% fee? That's not ours. Well, for many people, it is it a not, hard it, choice. It is a hard choice. <laughs> exactly. And, and the reason I think that is because people out there, they don't believe 5% with us and, and, ha- and, and have, have the 1% the fee, fee right. and actually be worse off than like a no-fee option. In other words, doing it themselves, they think that ultimately they're going to get people. Absolutely. Uh, so I don't want to get off on fees, but yeah. uh, plans, folks, plan, 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 especially if you're 10 years before retirement is the time to pull the trigger and come on in and get yourself a financial plan. Yeah. Okay. So uh, our second and uh, uh, final segment for today, we're just going to do two, is, you know, really, you know, is a a word out there that people, uh, people, you know, love to hate. (laughs) And that word is annuities. And so the topic, though, is not just annuities. It's how do annuities make money? Okay, mm-hmm. or earn interest. You know, I've gotten questions about this uh, from people over the last uh, couple months, and uh, I thought it would make a good topic for the show. And so, Dad, you know, s- let's start off with some basics here. W- what is an annuity, and what are the most common types of annuities? Because how they earn interest will depend on what type of annuity it is. Yeah, so I just want to preface this by saying, you know, when we bring the word annuity up, Gabriel, almost everybody says, oh, I've heard so many bad things about that. And we've been using annuities in our planning. You know, folks, we manage an awful lot of money in the market, but we use annuities and insurance products in our planning. 
and they're they all have they're all sick. We don't have a bad story. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have good stories and great stories, but no bad stories. So I just want to preface that, folks, is that we're not trying to sell you an annuity because people think as soon as we say the word annuity, Gabriel, that we're trying to push them into an annuity. So I just want to preface that, that we don't, that's not our Yeah, our goal for this show is always to be educational. And uh, annuities are a big part of uh, many people's retirement plans. But again, they're they're very, to to my perspective here, uh, annuities are perhaps the most misunderstood investment in the uh, in the industry. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay? And uh, and as I started this off, it's it's something that people love to kind of hate, love to pick on. And, and most of the people doing the picking don't understand. Don't them. even understand a clue about them. Yeah. And so that's why if you're out there, you've got to have a an open mind if you hear anything negative about annuities. Because I give you or anything negative about anything. Yeah. just check it out. Because if I had a nickel for every wrong negative comment I've read or heard about annuities, I'd have millions of nickels. Million. Maybe you should collect (laughs) nickels. So folks, uh, annuities are insurance products. They're insured by the insurance company. Here's what happens. This is why they're safe. When you buy an annuity, let's say you buy an annuity for $100,000, the insurance company takes that $100,000 and puts it into a reserve fund. That reserve fund insures your annuity. They buy 10-year bonds. Let's say it's a 10-year annuity. To back your annuity goes into the reserve fund. Now, if the insurance company gets into trouble, let's say they buy a piece of real estate and they're going broke or they just don't know how to manage their business, they can't touch that reserve fund. That's, that's overseen by the division of insurance in each state. So if, if the insurance company went out of business, another insurance company would come in, pick up the reserves, and everything goes on as normal. But, but earning interest. But yeah. always earn, yeah, earning interest. Well, no, I was going to say. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Our topic for today is how do they earn interest? Oh, yeah. So I just wanted to preface <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. I just don't want to get too far down the rabbit yeah. hole of, so, of how so, they work. Well, you asked me the kind, what they are. And yeah, the different, yeah, different types. So there's growth annuities yeah. that, have, that just are built to grow. Growth annuities today will are, are will deliver anywhere from four and a half to seven and, and a half. And percent. when you say a growth annuity, you mean a fixed index annuity? Uh, I'm talking, yeah, variable annuities for us folks are off the charts. There are too many fees. We don't like them. We don't use them. If you're going to be in the stock market, you don't need an annuity to do that. We get better results with fixed index annuities. Yeah. So, so the uh, so the most simple type is what's called a fixed rate. MIGA or multi-year guarantee annuity. We don't have to spend too much time there. This is how they work. It's like uh, a CD. Uh, you're going to get 3% over five years, and uh, you then get 3% every year for five years tax deferred. That's it. Uh, that's how they work. Like a, C- <laughs> so, like a, like a CD. So those aren't, too, uh, those aren't yeah. too difficult there. The, um, the next one is, as you said, the growth annuities, which we, we define as a fixed index annuity yep. that is designed uh, for growth. Specifically. As po- specifically, as opposed to income. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, every growth annuity, every index annuity product earns interest by linking your funds, so to speak, uh, what you're going to earn for interest by linking that to the performance of a stock market index. Right. Now, your money is not invested in the index. Your money is looking at the index. Yes. And when that index goes up, you earn interest. When that index goes negative, Everything stays the same. You don't lose any Yeah, money. so here's how it works. So, you know, if you've got an annuity uh, a year ago, you purchased it, and the index was um, uh, at 100. The value of the index was 100. Fast forward to this year because you, you get credited interest 
on your anniversary date, which is typically every year, okay, or sometimes it's two years depending on the index. Uh, but let's say it's a one-year strategy. So how do you earn interest? Let's, let's walk through the calculations. If the index started at 100, and then one year later, doesn't matter what it did up or down in between, one year later that index is at 110, part one of determining how your annuity earns interest is calculating the percentage growth of the index itself yeah. that you're linked to. So this growth is 10%. So in this example, yeah, the index went up 10%. Now, does your annuity then get 10%? It may. Okay, there are different strategies. There's one strategy which is called a participation strategy. So if you have a 100% participation or par rate and the index went up 10%, you get 100% of 10%. Okay, so let me, re let me uh, recap how that works. So you have a participation rate, mm -hmm. which is a percentage, but it's a different percentage than the growth of the index. It may be, yes. So typically in this example, if you use 100% participation rate, so you take the index growth, 10%, right, 100 to 110 multiply that by the participation rate in this case it was a hundred percent right which means your credited interest rate to your annuity is ten percent times one hundred percent of that ten percent equals ten right. percent now what if i have an eighty percent participation rate so let's do that formula again so we have our ten percent index growth multiplied by eighty percent of ten percent equals eight percent now, is there a cap on this type of strategy? So you and I both uh, um, know that, that sometimes uh, people confuse uh, all annuities as having caps, mm -hmm. okay? And uh, just as a quick detour, a cap is also pretty simple. If that index went up 10%, right, and you had a cap of 6%, you could only earn 6%, yes. right? If the index went up 10% and you had a cap of 12%, you would earn 10% because you're under your cap. That's right. Now, the capped strategy is different than the participation rate strategy that we were just talking about. Which so are uncapped. Uncapped. So almost all participation rate strategies are uncapped. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, you know, a lot of the, the uh, uh, comments out there is, oh, you can't, you're always limited on what you can make in an annuity, and that's just not true. Yeah. Well, I mean, generally, what I think if you're out there, folks, and you're thinking about an annuity, number one thing to remember is your annuity, if you buy one, isn't designed to beat the stock market mm -mm. <laughs> with, with zero risk. That's a great point. Uh, you know, so everyone yeah. says, I can't make what I can make in the stock market in an annuity. Well, you're, well, well you're, yeah. Yeah, you're not supposed to. I mean, if you could make what you could make in the stock market with 0% risk, zero downside risk, of nobody would ever invest in the stock market that's, ever again. That's right. And so, so that's the number one thing, guys, is, is yeah, your annuity over time, is designed to likely per perform less than the stock market. And it, it's really built to you beat know? CDs and treasuries. Well, it's built to do 5 or 6% over time with no risk. Or, re be, or know, replace. 4, four or to 5%. Depends on the product, right? You know, shorter term, pro you know, there's lots of details here. Uh, but 4 to 6%, depending on the product and the time frame, with 0% downside risk. Now, that's a growth annuity. That's a growth annuity. And now, the next category. Well, remember, we're not talking about how all different categories here. Oh, we're just talking just, about just how, how they grow. earn interest. Got okay? it. Sorry. Um, and, and no, so the, all the categories, we can we can definitely add that to a, a future talking point. I think that's important as well. Um, but folks, I, I just wanted to emphasize those two things. And I, I bring it up right now because there's a lot of talk that we are uh, approaching, if not already in, the early stages of bubble territory in the market. 
Yes. Meaning valuations are nearing the level they used to be back in 2000, uh, before the 1999, sure, when the tech crash. Uh, so they haven't been seen this high since that time. Uh, and so the risk there is, is as you guys know, if you're if you're doing if you go to the casino and you're on a tear, at some point your your uh, question is, do you take chips off the table, and or some of your chips just to hedge a little bit, and so that's the idea. You know, annuities are a great hedge if you think that the market is going to go down, and we, we don't have a crystal ball. We're not saying that it is. It might surprise us and keep going up. You just, if you're just looking to de-risk but your portfolio, yes, it's a it's a de-riskifier. Risk of fire uh, of your portfolio. It acts as a bond alternative, and in fact, in the current interest rate environment, might even be a better choice than bonds because there's no really interest rate risk associated with annuities. Actually, there's a, uh, some research coming out that actually suggests that, Gabriel. But that's another. <laughs> there's so much to talk about here. I find I want to go in like ten different directions. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is a, annuity world is a confusing world because of all of the misinformation that's out there. Mm -hmm. um, if you, we've, Gabriel and I wrote a book uh, on annuities just to solve that problem. So if you're on listening and you would like to get a copy of the book, it'll be very helpful for you to understand what annuities are all about. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, let us know if you'd like that copy of the book. And, and what I'd like to end with today is a quote. Uh, and we were talking earlier about the idea behind uh, saving enough. Yes. So I think this quote kind of relates to that. It's from our friend Ben Franklin. And it says, uh, beware of little expenses. A small leak will sink a great ship. Mm. Makes me want to go revisit my budget. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you, how do you, you know, what does that mean, folks? Uh, you know, means uh, those little things uh, can add up. And, uh, you know, that's a really good review to, uh, to take a look at, especially at the start of the year. Do a uh, first of the year kind of budget review. Absolutely. All right, guys, that's our show for today. Thanks so much for joining us. We, uh, we love having you with us here. We're, um, we, we've, like I said last, a couple times ago, thank you for the comments. We get a lot of great comments from uh, you listeners out there just emailing us, talking to us when you, uh, you see us, and we really appreciate it. Uh, so thank you. And uh, be sure to share the show with your friends. Send us uh, uh, send them an email just with the link and uh, have them subscribe if you uh, if you feel inclined to. We'd love to uh, continue to grow our listenership. Everybody stay safe. Please stay safe. Stay well. Enjoy the sunny day. And we'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to Our Two Cents with Steve and Gabriel Lewitt. For any questions about your finances, give SGL a call at 847-499-3330 or visit us on the web at sglfinancial.com and be sure to subscribe to join us on next week's episode. Investment advisory services are offered through SGL Financial LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance and other financial products are offered separately through individually licensed and appointed agents.